calling that Paul mentioned is not a specific ministry position um, within the church. It's a calling to be a new person, to have a new life, and to be saved from eternal damnation. See, God has called you into a wonderful new relationship in Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you have done, but strictly only because of what Christ has done for you. See, God's church is made up of those who are called out of the world from darkness into light, from damnation to salvation, from the prison of sin to freedom in Christ, and from a people separated from God into a holy priesthood of believers. So for God to call us out of the world to be his chosen people is the highest calling possible. So tonight, as we close out the series of God's will for us, tonight we're going to talk about what is God's will for us in our relationships, in our relationships. And it's only to the degree that you understand how, how weighty this calling is on our lives is to the degree that your relationships will be as God intended them to be. Therefore, therefore because of whom you are in Christ, then so what? What does this mean for us? What does it mean for us when it comes to God's will in our relationships? See, Paul went from describing some essential doctrines in Ephesians and through the first three chapters of our faith to showing us how we should live out our faith in our relationships with one another. See, believers are not called into a new relationship with God because they deserve it. But when they are called into fellowship with Christ, they should live worthily for the Lord. See, after God calls us into fellowship with him and he adopts us into his family, we ought to live in a certain way. We ought to walk in a certain way. We ought to walk different than everyone else. Proper faith should lead to proper conduct. Christians ought to live in a manner worthy of the relationship and holiness to which they were called. Look at verse 1 again. In Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. See, Paul urges us to live in such a way in our relationships that proves we belong to Christ. What Paul may really be saying is this. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. He wrote a similar thing in at least three other churches. Look at the following passages. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1 verse 10 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, <clears throat> We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. See, to walk means to live in a way that is consistent with your calling, with, with the calling of your life, on your life. I'll, I'll repeat that. To walk means to live in a way that is consistent with the calling on your life. So growing up, <clears throat> I, was, uh, I wasn't the most well-behaved kid um, in high school. I know it may come as a surprise to some of you guys, but I, I, I drove my parents crazy. I would do some really crazy stuff out of pocket. It was, that was just me. And a saying that my, my mom and dad would say to me often um, 
it's probably a saying that some of you guys have, have, have probably heard before, but it's, 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 it's um, simply three words. It was act your age, act your age. Uh, I got that quite a bit, and um, yeah, it's, I didn't act my, I still don't act my age. But Paul, in this passage, may not necessarily be saying act your age, but rather act your faith. Behave like one who belongs to the Lord. Live your life in such a way that honors your relationships and, and the family to which you belong, which is the Lord's family. In your day-to-day relationships, don't just say you are a Christian, but act like one. How many of you guys have seen the movie The Patriot? <laughs> All the old people in here. <laughs> so in the movie The Patriot, there's this British colonel whose name is William. And he was fighting the Revolutionary War. Um, but he wasn't fighting it in an in a honorable way. He was fighting in a very dishonorable way. So his general sees this and then summons him over. So he comes over and then the general looks at him, not, not, very, not in a very happy mood, but says, he says this to, to, to William. He says, you serve me, and the manner in which you serve me reflects upon me. That confused some of you. You serve me, and the manner in which you serve me reflects upon me. How does our life reflect the one we serve? How do our relationships reflect the one we serve? <clears throat> do we reflect the character of Christ? When, when we're with our friends or parents or whatever, it, it, does it reflect Christ? What does that look like? Paul doesn't just leave us with wondering what does it look like. He then explains, it, explains what it looks like in verse 2 in, of, uh, of Ephesians 4, verse 2. It says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The Christian walk should have these characteristics. Our relationships should reflect these characteristics. The first one is <clears throat> humility. Humility. You cannot faithfully follow Christ without humility. Bob Coughlin says, To worship God is to humble everything about ourselves and exalt everything about him. To, wor- to, to worship God is to humble everything about ourselves and exalt everything about him. If we do not enter the kingdom of God on our own merit, but strictly upon the grace of God, then we should be humble. We have nothing to brag. We, we should be completely humble. Humble before God and before others in our relationships. In order for our relationships to be, <clears throat> to be united, humility is a... Is a a very um, important trait that Paul describes for us. And then the next one is, he says, after humility is gentleness. It's gentleness. If we are truly humble, this should be natural. Hum- gentleness should be natural if we are truly humble. We cannot be in harmony with one another if we are abrasive and mean to each other, right? We should never be combative or rude to others. As God is with us, gentle and forgiving, we should be to others you know there's our there's the first two that Paul gives us is humility and gentleness um <clears throat> when I graduated high school I didn't really uh I wasn't sure what major to choose but physical therapy always kind of fascinated me so I, I was started to go for physical therapy 
And um, in order to get into the program, there were a couple classes that I needed to take, not just take, but pass, in order to get into physical therapy. And those classes are called prerequisites, right? What I, with this passage, I kind of like to see, I, I kind of see as the humility and gentleness aspect as the prerequisites for these next two characteristics that Paul gives us. We can't have this without the humility and gentleness. The next one he gives us is patience, right? And when we're driving, patience is what we do not have for the person in front of us, but everything that we want the person behind us to have, right? It, it, uh, it, it, we struggle to be patient with others, but want others to be patient with us. It's just our natural reaction. But in order for our relationships to grow, we ought to be patient with one another. Patience is key. Then the last one he gives us is love. Love is the defining characteristic of God's people and in our relationships. It is, after all, the greatest commandment. But it is not always easy. Paul uses the word bearing with one another. There's a sense of having to endure it. But as Christ loves us, when we're unlovable and when we're unbearable, so should we love each other even when it hurts in our relationships. See, all of these virtues, humility, gentleness, patience, and love, were displayed in Christ's own character. Therefore, they should be evident in the daily walk of those who follow him. Basically, Paul urges us to, to let the fruit of the Spirit be seen in our lives as to prove that we truly belong to God. In other words, in our relationships, act like you belong to Jesus. Act like you belong to Jesus and are his child. So far, this passage has reminded us of our calling in Christ when it comes to our relationships. It has also given us practical outworkings of our relationships with him. We will walk the Christian walk by demonstrating the behavior of Christ <clears throat> towards one another. But there's actually one other characteristic of the Christian walk that Paul gives us. Let's take a look at the last ver the verses 3 through 6. Verses 3 through 6 says, There is one, um, oh no, that's 4. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, the Holy Spirit is not a cause of contentiousness. It's not a cause of strife or beef, for he binds his people together in peace. See, in Christ, we have a peace with God, but we should also have a peace with each other. Peace is a state of reconciliation and love and therefore acts as a bond to unite believers in Christ. See, peace is vital for the health of our relationships. The Spirit is called the bond of that peace. He is literally the cement that binds his people together. See, we do not create unity in our relationships. God does. We are to preserve the unity God has already established. We are to be eager to maintain the unity in our relationships. <clears throat> so I ask you, are you eager to maintain the unity in your relationships? Whether it's in a dating relationship or it's with your friends or your parents or your siblings. Are you eager to maintain a sense of oneness with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? We should be. God's calling in our relationships 
with whoever it is, is to reflect him in unity. To the degree that you um, are united with Christ is to the degree that you will be united with each other in your relationships. Notice again verses 4 through 6 of chapter 4. Um, yeah, of chapter 4. <clears throat> there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all <clears throat> and in all. So what does this mean for us? How should we respond to these callings? First, as we wrap it up, first, have you responded to the call to accept and become a child of God? Do you have a relationship with God yourself? <clears throat> are you a member of God's church? I do not mean uh, are your parents a part of the membership role of Providence, but rather are you a part of God's membership role? Have you responded to the Holy Spirit and have you trusted in Jesus as your only way to salvation? Have you confessed him as Lord? If not, I urge you, please do not leave without speaking to your small group leader. Um, that's the first step. Secondly, if you have responded to the call of God to follow Jesus, are you living in a way that honors him? Are your relationships representing Christ well? Are you walking the walk or are you talking the talk? In what ways might God be telling you to walk better in Christ? Humility, gentleness, patience, love, or peace. Are those any areas, um, any areas you need help to grow? The Spirit is there to convict and to power his people to become more like Christ. And then thirdly, how well do you represent the oneness of God? Is there tension in your relationships? See, Satan loves to create tension amongst us because he knows if we are not together, then we are not on mission for Christ. Are you eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in your relationships? Or is there someone you need to reconcile with? Is there pride, anger, hatred, or jealousy that is hindering the unity? <clears throat> um, I'm, I, I mean, I'm preaching to myself on this one. As I was preparing this message, it, reminded, it, it brought to mind someone um, that I needed to reconcile with. And so <clears throat> it's, this message is not just for you guys, it's also for me. See, Jesus paid a high price that none of us could afford in order to purchase us and make us his own. Are you fulfilling your calling to belong to Christ and to make him known through your life? See, God's will for our relationships is to walk in oneness with him and then with each other. Are you living a life worthy of that calling? <laughs>